delirium costs money in healthcare. We don't want these patients to be delirious. And that's why we try to do different measures that we'll talk about later in an episode to prevent that. But delirium is a huge cost in healthcare. And that's why they always stress about that stuff like ICU delirium. No wonder we assess that. Ooh, I gotta go. I've been working, told him, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told him nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this game. Now my fan they can't eat. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Couple Nurses Podcast with your host, Matt, and myself, Peter. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your time. As y'all can see, if y'all are on YouTube, we are wearing the March merch release right here. Got the Couple Nurses shirts available at couplenurses.shop, as well as all our other merch and all our other products. Don't forget to check out couplenurses.com. That's where we house all our show notes. Uh, we have a really cool website going on right now. It's literally like a search engine. You can search whatever you want on it, and it'll find you you that topic in a podcast slash show note of form so definitely take advantage of that really cool uh also we're trying to put these videos on on spotify they should be up and running on spotify for those of you listening on like apple Podcasts or other platforms we should now have video on spotify so head on over there and definitely check us out uh but like i said thank you for y'all y'all time uh don't forget as well we are frontlinewarriors.com that is our sister site that is more of a wellness mindfulness consciousness website we also have blogs there and we're trying to trying to also start up a few new things on there like with courses and different maybe meditation sessions all in store for you in the future we're laying low for now but a lot of informative stuff right there a lot of promises a lot of cool stuff and soon to be released is prontohealth.com so pronto health is something that we have been been working on uh, pronto we've been working on for the last last few months here uh, it's something that we've created to help innovate and revolutionize healthcare and specifically healthcare employment. Uh, it's going to be a really good platform that you can download on your iPhones or your Google, Google devices, which is going to make uh, onboarding, finding a job, um, and just pursuing different career paths a lot a lot easier. But what's up, Matt? How's everything going? I'm good, man. On today's episode, we're going to talk about different disorders from consciousness. That ranges from being fully self-aware to a vegetative state. In healthcare, this is very important in assessing your patient's level of consciousness. So why not having two ICU nurses talk about how altered levels of consciousness affects you in a healthcare setting from a critical care standpoint? It's going to be a good episode. Yeah, this is a very, very interesting interesting concept because <clears throat> a lot of people don't get to experience this, even though this is um, this is something that you know is, is difficult to, to, work, to work with and deal with. Um, is people that have altered altered consciousness. So people that are confused, they're there, they're, they're living, but they're not able to recognize where they are, what they're doing, what they should be doing, and they don't have a clue of what's going on in, in the real world, you could say. And that's something that we could say we've been blessed to deal with, but also kind of kind of cursed at the same time because it is a crazy thing to see. And not a lot of people experience that, but we work in healthcare, so we see a lot of that. And it's something that's always been so mind-boggling because we really don't understand it. We don't really know what happens, where it come, comes from, what it does. We really don't have a good understanding of it, but, we but what we do understand is that it does happen. And we kind of have ideas on, on how to treat it and what's best for it, but it's still something that's been, that's, that 
or it's still something that has to be heavily researched to really figure out what the hell is going on. Because when you have a confused person and you're talking to a confused person and you're trying to orient them and have them be brought back to the real, real world, you could say, it's really difficult. And you really don't know what the, hell, what the hell is going on and it's so unpredictable. It's one of the most craziest things you can ever deal with. And that's why the nursing profession is very humbling seeing all that stuff. And consciousness ranges from a lot of things. In this reality that we're in currently, in the dreaming state, which is an altered state of consciousness, but we don't know what happens there. But what we know for certain is on the physical level. So if you want to find out the definition of consciousness, Palm and Bosner diagnosis book defines this as being fully self-aware of the environment and having two aspects of that content and arousal. Mm -hmm. So the content part of consciousness is defined by the sum of the function, which is a cerebral cortical level. And that is consciousness based on cognition, how it reflects into information and processes this based on the two cerebral hemispheres that we have. And this is how consciousness gets reflected into our brain. Mm -hmm. And then you have the arousal, which on the other hand is just the different states of consciousness. And that's what's interesting about the arousal state because our patients could have this like locked in syndrome where they might not fully know that they're there or be aware of their surroundings, but they're going through this transition because of their arousal state of how they're functioning on the neurological level that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, it's always so wild. Science, man. yeah, and then it's crazy because we like research all this stuff and go go in depth and look how it actually stems from and how it, how like certain parts of the brain receive inputs and then give outputs and it all translates to the world that we see today. Yeah, and what we know for certain that scientists are saying that consciousness is experienced by the thalamocortical system. That is the most important. Part, the, the thalamus and the cortex. So the thalamus uh, relays all the motor and sensory information to the cerebral cortex and the cerebral cortex analyzes data based on the five senses and it's also in control of movement. And that's consciousness and uh, the physical level that we're experiencing mm -hmm. it now. Yeah, I always got like, for those of you that don't really know any of like, like this neuro, neurological anatomy or, or the neuro or nervous system, uh, cerebral cortex, that's like the, when you think of your parietal lobe, your occipital lobe, that's basically your, uh, the outer layer is the cerebral, cerebral cortex. And it's basically uh, the outer portion of your brain. And just like the anything else, so now we're going to talk about like altered levels of consciousness. We have this brain that's an organ, mm -hmm. but it has a limited ability to withstand injury. So the brain reacts to acute stress, and based on the stress response, it could go into different levels of consciousness. So what are acute factors of stress that the brain experiences? It could be infections, inflammation, toxins. It could be metabolic buildup of, you know, respiratory alkalosis, metabolic acidosis. You have nutritional derangement. So being, uh, what is it called? Deprived of nutrition, mm -hmm. um, a failure to thrive, think, think diseases like that. You have uh, electrolyte uh, levels, if your glucose is too low, you might have altered level of consciousness, right? Hypoglycemia, uh, hydration, uh, structural damage, which could be concussion or uh, brain bleed. And what happens is this, well, let's not, let's not include brain bleed because we're talking about stresses here, not uh, like a, what's it called? Um, an event that happened. Mm -hmm. So you have the brain and what happens is on a multicellular level, there's different neurochemical changes that happen that disrupts the equilibrium this equilibrium affects neurochemical electrical uh levels or 
electrochemical uh, waves mm-hmm. that are monitored on the EEG. Mm-hmm. So based on what the EEG is showing, if your body can't um, comprehend and uh, battle these symptoms of the acute stress, it goes into different uh, disorganized levels of thinking. So and you irritated. see that by AG, it's irritated, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like a threshold. It can't handle it and Seizure. there's just an off switch mm-hmm. to protect itself, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that that's like the mind-blowing. So what I'm thinking about right now when you're talking is so a seizure and basically a reset of your brain is basically, you could say, almost like a seizure because we don't fully understand seizures it's 100%. It's like safe mode. Yeah, right. And you have a seizure and you, and you reboot. So that happens when your brain is really, really irritable. So there's like a peak of this. So if irritability leads to to seizures, and high and a high or a high irritable state leads to a seizure. So think about it this way: if you're consuming a lot of toxins, you're not you don't have a good diet, you're not exercising, you're smoking a lot of cigarettes, using tobacco, uh, ingesting lots of uh, fast food, not taking care of yourself. That's ultimately going to lead to a little bit of brain irritability. Yeah. So you might not, you, you won't, you won't get, most of us won't get a seizure from it, but you got to realize that you're, you are irritating your brain a little bit. So that's going to affect the way that, the way that you think and your outlook on certain things, because your, your brain isn't at baseline. It's, it's always a little bit irritable. So it's not at its hundred percent because there's always some portion of it that's irritable. And some of us get affected greatly where, um, the irritableness might make us, uh, prone to being more angry more often or maybe depressed or having emotional issues just because of what what you're digesting in your body because your brain is always a little bit irritable and we all have different thresholds and it just kind of shows you how the mind body and soul are kind of interlinked same way you have negative thoughts and you keep getting these um like you, you have lack of confidence lots of anxiety that's going to affect your digestive system but it's also going to affect your brain and make your brain a little bit more irritable too yeah. it's so, so now it's so you, beautiful you're yeah. saying that it's because we are this fine balance beam and we just disrupt this this equilibrium that can't be handled and like when i when i'm doing this i think about it like supply and demand so it's just a d- different organ system that's like supply and demand so your cardiovascular system if you're uh, you get hypotensive there's a supply and demand issue. So same thing with the brain. There's a supply and demand on the, the neural level, just like you mentioned, that it has to turn off. Mm. Crazy to think about. It's crazy how everything impacts you. We're we're not we're not the we're not a one we're never a one step solution. Whatever's going on in in your life, it's never a one one step solution ever because we have all these systems that work all together, and usually it's not the disruption of one issue. It's usually usually one issue that disrupts another thing and it's a cascade of things. So it's like we're to fix our lives. It's multiple fixes. That we're not a, a one, one, um, one stop shop. You could say for for like fixing ourselves. Yeah. Same with like this, this one pill solution. There, that's why people like this idea of one pill solution. But there isn't a one pill solution because the pill coming to one thing, and it's never one thing that he has to fix. It's multiple things that has to that has to get fixed simultaneously. It might seem overwhelming, but that's how you got to approach things because a lot of factors usually influence an outcome. And usually changing one factor isn't going to change the outcome. It's usually, you usually have to change multiple, multiple factors. Yeah. Quick lesson I left for there, you know. <laughs> Diving back to the hospital setting, we're going to talk about this, the, the progression of the disorder of consciousness. So the first thing that develops in these patients that we see all over the hospital is delirium. So delirium is acute changes in behavior of consciousness on cognition. And there could be three different states, hyperactive, 
which is the crazy patients that we get on alcohol withdrawals. Mm. They get crazy delirious. Crazy how that happens too, man. That crazy how that happens too. We have hypoactive, which is basically almost leading to you being uptundent, not really there, sleepy, drowsy for medications that uh, we give you like Ativan, let's just mm. say, and that messes you up or mixed. But regardless, what happens is you're disoriented to time and place and you're impaired. Um, so your cognitive function or your visual motor, you might be hallucinating or whatever, is not fully there. Mm-hmm. And that's very important in the hospital setting because delirium costs money in healthcare. We don't want these patients to be delirious. And that's why we try to do different measures that we'll talk about later in an episode to prevent that. But delirium is a huge cost in healthcare. And that's why they always stress about that stuff like mm-hmm. ICU delirium. No wonder we assess that every single shift makes you wonder about that. Yeah, man. These are really like, really concepts that you could like think about for a long time, never really, really figure out because there's so much things in play. And it's always so interesting to explore these kind of things because the it's so unexplored, you could say, and there's so much opportunity for you to maybe figure something out. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mine is beautiful. So after uh, delirium, you'll transition to a coma. And that's like continuum of the altered state of consciousness. However, with a coma, there's a loss of awareness and you're not fully aware of the wakefulness. So we could do that consciously through like sedation and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the three and four is the minimal conscious state and the persistent vegetative state. And that's like the synopsis of the ICU and what we do in the hospital. You have this delirious patient. Sometimes they come to the ICU because we can't uh, handle what's going on. Uh, Sometimes they might go into this coma with happens with like, C19 or some crazy situation, they get a trach, and after two to four four weeks, they might progress, they might recover, they might tra- transition, they might pass away, or they might become minimally conscious or in this vegetative state that we see these patients that can't return because of a brain injury, mm-hmm. and we just have to put them into a long-term care facility. Yeah, those are the hardest, man. Those are, those are so hard because, <clears throat> like... You know how we talked about everything works together. So you could have a human body that could function on a ventilator. Technically, it's alive, but there's no really brain activity. So the mind is gone, but the body's there. And what the crazy thing about this, and you can think of it as like a yin and yang, like the mind and body. So without the body, and the mind can't work to its full potential. Without the mind, the body can't work to its full potential. And it's crazy how there's a disconnect from one and directly impacts the other one. It's just like this fine balance. You need both. If you don't have both, you're at a loss regardless. Because you could have a brilliant mind, but if you don't have the body to be able to express what that mind wants and what that mind needs, it technically is useless. If you have a body there that's technically functioning, it's living, it's growing, it's growing hair, you're living, gaining weight, maybe losing weight, but there's no brain function. There was a point of that body. It's useless. It's, it's, it's just there. Yeah, and where is that other part from the, the mind side that's like not there? Like what, how does that get, how, does that exist? Is it just maybe not preoccupied anymore? Are you just not aware of it, right? Like we, we don't know what that people is. People have the concept, there's this concept of mind, body, and soul, right? But what if the, what if, that idea came from you know just because uh like there's a trinity so there's some some reason the 
threes have always been passed down for for a long time. What if they're they just have, yeah. what if they're just a mind and and a body, maybe, but those with with a soul. But then it brings up to his altered mental state where there is a mind. Mind is mind is thinking, talking. There's a body that's being guided by this mind, but this mind thinks thinks they're in World War Two. But the mind is there. Mind thinks World War Two moving around, and the body's moving around. It's just confused. Well, what's confused? So what's missing? Is is the soul gone in that case? Does it, can the soul come back then? Right. Does a, does a, does the soul leave when that happens? Because when you have a seizure, well, when you have a seizure, the body's working. You're, it's seizing. It's seizing, right? The mind suddenly is still working. It's still firing. Telling something's still going on there. But you're like and when pulled a per- out of your body. And, and, a, and when a person comes out of a seizure, they come out of it slowly. So does for Post-ictal a seizure, phase. does that maybe, does that soul maybe leave for a little bit and then come back and slowly get into things? Crazy concept. You know, it's something that we could talk about for days because it just, that you just don't know, so nothing is incorrect. Yeah, and that's philosophy. There's mm. no beginning or end. You just pick a point and you go into it mm. because you can just uh, go on forever. And when it comes to altered states of consciousness, there's also encephalopathy, which comes from the Greek word anakepeflan, which I cannot pronounce. Mm, the flan um, sounds good, though. Yeah, but encephalopathy is defined as a diffusive disease of the brain that alters the structural things of it. So that's the hallmark that leads to the altered mental status. And those could be altered states of consciousness, just like you mentioned, uh, either acute or chronic, uh, very prolonged, could lead to a mental change that could be like slowly and progressive, such as Alzheimer's disease or dementias, or there could be something super acute like anoxic brain injury, which causes this uh, chronic encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. So the cerebral part of your consciousness is not functioning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but multi, yeah, and consciousness is like multi-level. So it's just one aspect of your life that's not there. So who knows where the right. hell you are because... Yeah, you don't technically exist like those people that, not to talk about drugs right now, but take like DMT and disappear something and they don't exist. But where are you really? Mm. I don't know, man. But yeah, yeah consciousness like, is a yeah. crazy concept. The mind, man. Like we got the heart down because it's a pump and functionality. Next is the brain. Imagine once we figure out exactly how it works, like we know how the heart works, like in and out. We know the heart fairly well in and out. Guaranteed. And I know, I, I know the heart fairly well and I'm a nurse, so... Imagine how much a doctor knows. Imagine how much scientists know. Imagine how much these people that run these labs know. They probably know everything about the heart. Next is the brain because it's a lot tougher. And realize that the heart is shelved by your ribs and your, and your chest. But it's a lot easier to still stab somebody in the heart than it is to stab somebody in, in, in your brain. Imagine how important the brain is, how much we're going to learn about the brain. Because this is, is, the brain is housed by the skull. Everywhere, it's, it's biased by, by bone. And your heart, look how important your heart is and look how easily it can be accessed. But look how hard it is to get access to your brain. Your body is literally a cocooned around your brain because it's that important. So imagine what we could do if we could tweak it. Yeah, it's a, giant, it's a giant storage device that the humans are trying to figure out and tap into. Mm-hmm. Because we could learn. Like, we could, like an animal could only learn to a certain extent. But, but our learning is almost infinite because we are creators. Lions don't build homes, but, but humans build homes. Yep. And we and after homes, now we have skyscrapers. So it just shows you that as humans, we have infinite possibilities. It just takes time. It's a ti- it just takes time to, to develop these things. But slowly over time, 
we run a path to infinity and beyond and beyond just so just to wrap up the mechanisms that are responsible for the disorders of consciousness we talked about everything in the hospital there's three things that stand out so if you have this alteration you have a disruption in the delivery of oxygen that the brain is trying to um, utilize you have changes in the neuro excitability of your neurons which are affecting your consciousness and there are signaling alterations that could be affecting the changes in the brain volume of like alzheimer's or mm. i'm thinking about volume itself as like herniations and yeah, crazy yeah. part of the icu that we stuff that we see and potential causes so we could go down and talk about experiences because hypoxia is a big cause mm -hmm. right now of altered states of consciousness in the icu where it could be codes but right now it's a lot with the c19 not getting o2 um, sometimes your patient is down for too long and mm -hmm. there's hypoxia and it's affecting the the brain tissue yeah if ischemia like i mentioned before strokes something cu cutting off the blood supply to their, to their brain uh which obviously impedes the the function of the brain as you all know uh toxic and metabolic disturbances so that could be drugs it could be due to um infection for example like hepatitis if you have hepatitis you could have uh hepatic encephalopathy um you know because your liver is a filter if the filter isn't working properly like a fish tank you have a buildup of that green stuff algae right it's called I have had fish back in the day, and I haven't had an algae problem one time. They had to get it fixed. It's, it's super annoying. So just imagine that you're for people that own fish or any kind of filter, your air filter in your car, uh, the thing that in a dryer that builds up over time. So if your if your filter isn't working properly, it's going to directly impact every function beyond that, and that's going to directly affect your brain because if it's not filtering your blood properly, you're getting a buildup of metabolites and different harmful chemicals, uh, electrolyte imbalances, uh, any other kind of pH imbalances, everything like that. It happens to your brain and your brain is not able to work at its, at its, at its maximum, at its potential. And now you throw in other stresses uh, that further irritate the brain and now you have a seizure you know, 10 years down the, down the line because you've been neglecting your body, have, haven't been working out, being super stressed and on, on medication that, that you thought you needed because you want a one pill solution and you over overstress your brain and you get a stroke or yeah. a seizure. And as an ICU nurse, seeing all this, mm. this is one of the things that is not the best about being an ICU nurse because you don't have a lot of patient interactions and maybe memorable moments as far as talking to them because most of our patients have an altered state of consciousness. Mm. They're they're tubed, they're vented, maybe a brain bleed, they're delirious, confused, alcohol withdrawal, drug withdraw all these things that we just mentioned toxics toxic buildups and you don't communicate you don't talk to them as much so if you want to be an icu nurse this is the part of nursing that's like saving a human life but you don't get recognition for it mm -hmm. versus having a patient on ortho flow you, you help them up they feel so bad you remove their foley now that they could pee again and it's happy and you get a daisy award for it it's a different part of yeah, uh it's tough different part of healthcare that we deal with and mm -hmm. it's not for everybody but it's it's super rewarding seeing all this and just makes you like feel humble by life. Yeah, it's it's tough because it is it is ICU and we see the worst of the worst, a lot of people don't make it. Like you're in ICU for a reason, is because you're on you're on a cusp. If, even even post surgery. A lot of people a lot of people go into surgery and they don't know really what happens first day post op. 
they just get this rundown. But we as nurses see directly, and then the people that also see is loved ones that have this person undergoing that surgery. You know, they see directly, but an, a person that hasn't had any experience with this or hasn't talked about it or has anybody that, that had this happen to them, the post-op experience, even for like elective surgery, is, is, is rough. So if you're... Some of you that are going to undergo surgery in the future, you're going to be in the ICU for like a day or two. And that's something that, that, that happens. And it's crazy. You're, you're that sick after surgery. That sick or or we just got to keep that close eye on you because it was major surgery. So it's like, it's it's tough sometimes. It's tough sometimes. People don't want to be there and understand why. It's almost like the dentistry of nursing. You think about it because that's that's where you see when majority of people die is the ICU. You do. And mm-hmm. this has the highest mortality. Like if you... I don't know what the percentage is, but if you go into the ICU, sometimes that might make it. Mm. Yep, truth. If you're a real ICU patient, because, you know, some people come in for little stuff, smaller hospital setting overflows, but a true ICU patient, there's a high mortality rate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, in, what's interesting about doing research about altered states of consciousness is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So scientists are able to like measure a direct correlation on brain stress and your effects of how bad of an altered state of consciousness and how severe your illness is based on this response. And the way it's measured is your hypothalamus stimulates the pituitary gland that stimulates the adrenal glands that are sitting on top of the kidneys to release chemicals, which are like glucosteroids and some other stuff. Mm. And they could measure that and tell you how severe your disease is. Mm. Wow, so cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing to see. And this is what happens when you when you learn more about the brain and you figure out the function, you, you see how it, once again, everything is all all lined together. And so, me, oh, God. No, all you, brother. Thank you. So back to the ICU stuff. We want to catch delirium. What are the first signs? So there's going to be changes in the person's focus, attention. They might be distract, distracted easily. You could probably relate with all the grandmas mm-hmm. that you see how they're going to sleep and just something is up or they ask that goofy question. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, 100%. oh, Miss Barbara, you're going into the, <laughs> you're sundowning. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't usually happen abruptly. It's usually subtle, so it's like you know you be chilling with, with uh with Miss Barb over here from like seven p.m. till nine p.m. She's completely fine. You know, times four. You know, she's watching TV, reading a magazine, and then you come in at like eleven p.m. or something, and she's like, "Hey, can you pass me a cat?" And you're like, "What do you mean, what cat?" She's like, "Oh, never mind, never mind." And she goes back to being normal, reads her magazine. You know, everything everything else was fine except that one random question. You're just like, "All right, that's, that's fucking strange." Um, and you then you come back at like. You know, she wants. She says she's gonna go to sleep in like an hour. So you come back at midnight, and she's like, you know, trying to get out of bed, trying to take off her gown, or her gown's already off, and she's just like, the blankets like the wrong way, pillows are like on, by her feet, and it's just like a mess. You're just like, how did this lady go from from being completely fine to asking a weird question to now being like full on confused and not wanting to go to sleep because now she can't fall asleep because she's her her brain is irritated, so she's like hyper-focused, and wants these certain things. It's crazy how that happens. And it's a slow progression, but you see the build-up, and then when it hits, it hits, and you're just like, it's a waiting game. Same with like a seizure. It's a waiting game. When is it going to stop? When is the person going to wake up? Same with sundowning. All right, she's sundowning. How long is it going to take? How bad is it going to be? When is she going to go back to normal? Yeah, even like from the alcohol standpoint, so like the delirium is like hyperactive. They're confused, disorganized. And then we sedate them with medications uh, such as Presidex, and they go into like the hy- hypophase, and they have like 
short-term memory loss. They're sluggish. Um, and oh, that just reminded me of that guy that you had for a couple of days in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then I try to put a freaking dub hoff uh, in him like twice. Peter went on lunch and he told me to watch his patient. Freaking, I was watching his patient for 10 minutes. He pulled out his uh, dub hoff in as the x rays coming into. Uh, scan him because he the patient just took it out so he took it off twice in what half an hour mm-hmm. i try to be a hero and start one really quick because x-rays waiting end up in the lung but anyways <laughs> yeah long story short he's fine he's fine he's doing okay he's but that was yeah. he's never felt better yeah he felt he feels toy he he felt like that a mad guy mucus plucked out of there and he hasn't breathed better he hasn't breathed this good in the last 26 years it's funny because we had a heart-to-heart afterwards i'm like because so, we're like, sorry, man. I'm like, he's like, it's okay, dude. I know you're just doing your job. And it's like, you didn't, you know, you accidentally didn't put it in. He's like, yeah, bro. I just want to get better. I'm like, you will. It's yeah. Good times in the hospital. Those are memorable moments that you yeah. experience. And, uh, but we could talk about some prevention. So mm-hmm. nurses should pay attention to delirium because one, you don't want to have your patient up in the ICU. That's bad for them. That costs more money, which prevents you from getting a better raise ultimately. If you're staff, if you're a traveler, you're chilling because the rates are different, right? (laughs) So um, be careful resuming home medications. Maybe they won't need them, such as uh, Xanax or uh, some other medications. Uh, In the ICU, you want to prevent using chemical or physical restraints. So they get delirious from being tied up, going crazy, having bad sleep cycles, Heavy and uh, it just messes them up, mm-hmm. and they're staring at the f- same four walls for a couple of days, and it's just so sad sometimes um, seeing these patients in this level. Yeah. As a nurse, for our nurses out there, maybe try to be like a little, a little proactive. So if that nurse asks you like a funky question, not a nurse, but if the patient asks you like a weird question that's kind of off base to what they normally ask, maybe you just try and get ahead of the game because maybe you could think there's something that maybe it could have just been by accident they asked that question or whatever. But maybe you just be thinking if they're if they're older and stuff. Maybe get like an order for some melatonin, you know. Doesn't always work, but maybe this this grandma might it might do the trick for because a lot of times you give melatonin, thinking it's gonna do something and never really does. But but yeah, and then you might need to even escalate measures. You know, maybe they even have a PRN that you haven't 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 maybe seen because you haven't scrolled that much that far down in the mar. That maybe all. So there's this med- there's some medication here that's like maybe like an antipsychotic or like a benzo or something. Um, on a PRN that, that says for delirium or for confusion, then you're like, oh, so this is has happened before. Yeah, you can kind of gauge the situation to to better your experience and to, to better your life to help and also help the patient because it's tough going through this. So a lot of times, like Matt mentioned, for for alcohol, we put them on like a Presidex drip or give them um, Ativan to to not knock them out, but but take them out of that irritable state because they're in a, in like a high stressful stressful state so we give them these medications like Ativan or Prestex to kind of um, decrease their arousal it's almost you could say like a little bit of, a, of sedation you could say for for in layman's terms and it helps them through it so that's why medication out there to help them through this through this uh, withdrawal same way there's medication out there to help people through delirium through through sundowning so take use of that because it's not a it's, it's hard to deal with from a nursing perspective and a physician's perspective and any kind of healthcare professional perspective, but it's also a hard thing to deal with for the patient. So, you know, it's not the best thing to do to give somebody a medication to sedate them, to have them calm down and fall asleep. But sometimes it's, it's the best thing for, for both ends and for both both parties. So keep that in mind. Yeah, and that enforces sleep-wake cycles. Mm-hmm. And also, 
management tries to help with preventing delirium too. They have like those surveys, like world's night night shift quiet. So sometimes if they have low scores, management brings that up on the huddles. Like you guys got to be quiet at night because we're giggling and uh, patients aren't sleeping, which could affect their delirium. Which I understand, which I understand. You know, I'll, yeah. If I'm if I'm trying, if I'm in ICU trying to sleep or something, and I have people giggling and I can't fall asleep, and I've been there for like five or six days and I can't sleep because you know same four walls. Yeah, I'd be a little bit upset too. So I understand that. That's why you, you gotta keep it low. Or go no, go somewhere else. There'd be a lot somewhere else. It's cool. Yeah. And if you have an altered state of consciousness and you end up in the ICU and you have like a coma, some of the things that we do as nurses is we manage your feedings, you need nutrition. So we put a dubhoff in or an NG tube in, depending on if you need a long term. And we give you two feeds. We give you nutrition. Maybe your body can't handle two feeds, you had a GI procedure we're going to go the TPN route or something else might be happening. So we need to feed you and we need to make sure you're pooping and having and peeing. So <laughs> yep. we, we give you stool softeners to make sure you have a bowel movement. If you don't have a bowel movement in three to five days, the nurse is going to be really asking why and she's going to try to get that poop out. So it's kind of funny in the ICU, we, the poop has to come out, man. Mm-hmm. If they're super, le- uh, super leaky, we might put in like a fecal management system in which uh, – is just a donut-shaped plastic tube that goes up your rear, and we irrigate it once a shift for like 40 cc's to make sure you're emptying in the bag. And that's really crucial for ICU patients because it, pre- it prevents like skin irritation. If you keep constantly having diarrhea, you could have an ulcer, especially mm-hmm. laying constantly on your back. And then the bladder, we got to put a Foley in, a straight catheter, or you could pee on your own. Uh, but those, those are two major things that we're managing in the ICU. Yeah, and it's tough, man. <laughs> We work in a field where um, we constantly get shit on, literally. Yeah, that's one <laughs> you know? part one part of healthcare. <laughs> yeah, uh, what, what goes in has to come out too. When we feed you, it's got to come out too. Yeah, and also area management. So if you have altered state of consciousness in a coma, uh, we do a OG, not OG tube. Uh, we do put an ET tube in. We intubate you if you need it for longer than two weeks sometimes. Or we might think you might just be in there for a while like with C19. Uh, like in LA, the COVID patients that came in, they prophylactically just trach them. Hmm. So we might be managing that and suctioning you. Um, we might be managing your muscle tone or PTOT stuff, like pressure ulcer prevention. Yeah, the uh, proactively tracking somebody is crazy. Because thinking about it, that that is good because a lot of times with the CNIT patients, they're they get so sick on the vent or they're too unstable for surgery, so they can't even trach them. Yep. If your peep goes past eight, I don't know what the criteria is. It becomes unsafe to uh, to trach you. Uh, we want to prevent infections. That's the worst thing. You come in for one thing, you develop pneumonia or something else or UTI. Uh, so we manage everything from sepsis to uh, management of fevers to seizures. Uh, yeah, you're in a coma and there's a lot of stuff going on for you. You have an altered state of consciousness and... We try to make sure you live to see your family. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's it's. Now I understand like, people, people say nursing is God's work, and people told me you do God's work. But I'm just like, you know, I don't really do God's work. Like, you don't take time I'm, to. I'm just yeah, I'm just, I'm just like a nurse. This is like you know standard operation. Then I take a step back. I'm like, yeah, not a lot of people do this, and it sucks. But for some reason, I chose to do this. Yeah, and and, and maybe it's like a numbing thing too, where like you know how messed up work is, so you like have that barrier where you not you don't want to think about of how wild of a career you have chosen yeah. and you just go about your day because if you get too involved emotionally and you don't have that off switch there's nurses that have ptsd that yeah. are emotionally burnt out from all this stuff that's happening 
Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, it's always difficult for me to, it's always difficult for me to get emotionally involved. So I guess that's, that works in my favor. And, Say that again. I said, it's tough for me to get emotionally involved. So I guess it works out in my favor. Yeah, you know yeah. Being a nurse, yeah, you know, it works out. clutch. Or it could work out in any career, technically, yeah, if, you, if you want to do that route. Yeah, I could be a mercenary. You know, next next report might be from Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, we just talked about that in that episode. So <laughs> yeah. you're good to go here, man. Yeah. You know the plans. You could ha- handle the Middle East, wherever you want to go to. You yeah. could um, parachute. Somewhere fun, somewhere warm. All right, guys. I think Peter's state of consciousness is changing. It's Time to go to sleep. We are recording <laughs> at midnight, though, so... Shout out to Night Shift, recording uh, Light Night if you're listening to us. But we got to do what we got to do to give this high-quality content to you guys. So if you guys find value in this show, hit the five stars. Share with your loved ones. Appreciate it. See you on the next one. Thank you all for your time. Peace.